Welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show. My name is Zach Adams, and I pastor a church located just outside of Athens, Georgia. The name of the church is Calvary 316. If you're local, I'd love for you to come and be our guest this Christmas season. Our service is Sunday at 1030. You can learn more about the church by visiting our website, which is calvary316.com. Uh, regardless of where you're listening or how you're listening, I do hope that you stay with me over the next hour as we seek to deconstruct the negative perceptions that the world has of Christians by being like real normal people, having conversations about relevant and real things. What a shocker. What a novel idea, um, especially in the world of radio. Speaking of radio, today's uh, episode... It's going to be a little interesting based upon when you're listening. So I've mentioned this before about our radio show. Um, I say our radio show. Uh, Our show is is released in two different formats. Uh, It's released for radio, and it's also released on our podcast. The easiest way to find our podcast, if you're not quite yet a subscriber, is to go to our website, our radio website, which is outlawradio.org. And then there's some easy links that you can click on. Um, that will get you to the podcast. It's available on iTunes, uh, Google Play. If, if you're already on those platforms, if you're already a podcaster, uh, just search my name, Zach Adams, Z-A-C-H Adams, and you will find our podcast very easily. Um, and so our release dates are a little different. Um, so for example, this episode, if you're listening right now, if you're listening on the radio, so you've got us dialed into whatever radio station, um, uh, you, you, you tend to enjoy in the vehicle or wherever you are, you're likely listening on Friday, uh, the 28th, which means that, um, Christmas has come and gone and you're kind of in the Christmas, uh, hangover, so to speak. Um, whether it's Friday, whether it's one of maybe one of the other platforms that releases airs the episode, uh, during the weekend. Uh, my point is if you're listening on the radio, you're off, you're probably listening after Christmas. Um, if you're listening on the podcast, though, uh, we release our podcast before an episode airs on the radio. So if you're a podcaster, you're listening through that medium, it's Christmas Eve. And so we want to wish you a happy Christmas. Uh, either way, today's episode will be Christmas related. So whether you're listening after Christmas or here on Christmas Eve, I think you'll find today's episode to be interesting Regardless, Now, before we get to the subject matter, I do want to just let you guys know, again, reiterate, um, it's important for us to hear from you. Um, not that it determines uh, whether or not we continue to do what we're doing. Apparently there's, apparently, there's software where you can set up your podcast and you can track the number of, uh, of people that download you know, that subscribe, that you can keep track of the data. And my producer, Josh, has mentioned this on numerous occasions. Hey, you know, we have no idea who's listening, how many people are listening. We have no metrics at all. Um, you know, you really should invest in in one of these services that, that can provide that particular information. And uh, But there's always a cost associated to it. And uh, And since our show doesn't make any money, and we don't want it to necessarily make any money, and and it exists as a ministry of Calvary 316, and there are some some generous individuals that that underwrite us. At the same time, um, I'm not gonna like. Why am I doing this? Um, if there's one person listening, um, then I'm gonna be doing this. I'm doing this be, not 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 because there's an audience. I do Outlaw Radio because uh, Jesus has told me to, and I'll continue to do it until Jesus tells me not to. Um, how many people are listening is really irrelevant, um, in the greater scheme of whether or not I would be doing this, uh, or investing the time into this. Um, I have no idea with radio. There's no way, uh, for us to know, um, who's listening because we're not a live show. Uh, let me give you a little, a little tip. If you're listening to your local sports show and, uh, and they have one of those gimmicks where they're like, uh, we're going to give away some free Hawks tickets, uh, the first five callers in the next, you know, so many minutes, et cetera, et cetera, where they do the giveaways. Um, they actually have mathematical equations that, and that period of time, how many people call in, um, equate to a certain number of listeners. That, that's actually how they figure out how many people are listening to then charge their advertisers, uh, per, per minute. Um, we're not live, so we can't do a giveaway. Um, and regardless, whether there's a million people listening or four, 
um, we're doing this because God has called us to, and um, and it really is our ministry. Uh, we're not making anything from this. Um, we're doing this because Jesus told us to, and so so the metrics, the data, uh, really don't matter. That being said, um, hearing from you does, because it's nice to it's nice to know that what we're doing is making an impact. Um, it's nice to know that lives are being affected. Lives are being touched, that you're being encouraged, and and that you find some of the subject matter even to be um, compelling. That it's, it's causing you to think. Um, I'm so encouraged when I get I got a, uh, a, a through the Facebook page got a, a message the other day from a truck driver in Oklahoma City who was just driving through, heard us on the radio, subscribed to the podcast, has become an avid listener. Uh, sent me a message to congratulate me over the birth of Mabel and and uh, say he was actually listening to some of the old episodes uh, from last year around Christmas time. It's just so encouraging to know that someone is being blessed by this. Um, had a lady in in, in Colorado uh, doesn't go to church. Actually heard uh, heard us on eighty eight point nine FM there in Colorado. Uh, enjoyed the Bible study she heard and uh, then <laughs> went and to the website, subscribed to the podcast has also become a listener. Those things are just very encouraging. Not, not, it's not that that we need those things to 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 carry forward, but it's just nice to know. It's nice to get the testimonies and and to be able to share those. Um, we don't need to hear from you um, so that we have the motivation to keep doing this. Um, the, the appeal to hear from you is just more that we can kind of glorify the Lord and, and how he's using this show. And I understand. I mean, radio, what this is, is... Uh, filling up a bunch of hot air balloons, uh, tying a message uh, to the end of the string and letting them go. You have no idea where they land. You have no idea whose eardrums they hit. So I'm saying if you're listening, let us know you are. Um, connect with us. And, and there's a lot of easy, very easy ways that you can do this. Um, again, our website's outlawradio.org. Email, our email address is info at outlawradio.org. Uh, we're also on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash outlaw. And if you're into Twitter, our Twitter handle is at radio underscore uh, outlaw. Again, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, also, just with all that being said, want to want to piggyback off of it. So you probably hear two different ads during the show. Uh, one for Blue Letter Bible, which is a website, wonderful Bible resources, and another one for for Ravi Zacharias and for his ministries. Uh, from time to time, we throw in an, an ad. Uh, for David Guzik and for Enduring Word, a wonderful resource for any Bible teachers. Uh, please know that I was told uh, you, uh, when we were starting the show, crafting the vision for it, uh, Josh, my producer, was like, just the way that radio works, uh, we need to, to to break this into two sections. And then those two sections, our uh, half hour one, half hour two, need to be broken into two different blocks. So there's four blocks in totality. Um, and so the, the block one, block two need to be separated by some type of an ad and block three, block four also need to be separated by some type of an ad. And great, Zach, you could sell this ad space. And I'm like, no, uh, not going to do it, but I could give away ad space. And so, um, I personally use blue letter Bible, um, in my own Bible study. Um, I weekly go to blue letter Bible. Um, it's a, it's a, it's, it's, you can go and buy uh, very expensive Bible software to do word studies and get commentaries, um, or you can just use a free one. Um, they are a nonprofit, and I've always wanted to give financially. And I thought, well, I've never been able to because I just don't have the money to do that, but I can just give them free airtime. And so we contacted them and they were blessed by it. So if you ever go to Blue Letter Bible, you might even see a, an, an ad for Outlaw Radio. Uh, we don't pay for that ad and they don't pay us for their ad. Um, just two groups of, of, of brothers serving Jesus in different ways, helping each other out. And the same thing with Ravi Zacharias and his ministry. Um, they don't pay for that ad space. Uh, we're just incredibly blessed by their ministry and uh, think the work that they do is very important. And so we're supporting them by just giving them uh, giving them free airtime. So again, we're as nonprofit um, as you can get. We don't make any money at all. Uh, we lose a lot of money. Um, we're, we're anti-profit. We're um, <laughs> we don't make anything. Anyway, the topic today, um, like I said, you're listening you know, on the radio. This is post Christmas, your post Christmas hangover. Um, you're immediately now turning your attention to the new year. Um, yes, we're still going to talk a little bit about Christmas. Um, uh, if you're on the podcast, it's Christmas Eve and that's awesome. I hope tonight you go to some type of a church service. 
um, that you're able to plug into, uh, that, uh, that you can connect with a community of people. Don't sit at home alone uh, tonight. It's Christmas Eve. Uh, get out. doesn't matter if it's raining or snowing. Um, connect with people. Um, for a lot of folks, Christmas is a celebratory time of the year. It's festive. Uh, but there's also a, a, an entirely separate group of people that find uh, Christmas to be depressing, mainly because they don't have people to spend it with. Um, they don't have family uh, in town or loved ones have passed. Uh, Christmas can be a, a very lonely time. Uh, and so I just encourage you, d don't be alone. Um, find a church, go, uh, make yourself go, uh, sit in the pew, um, be blessed by it, say hello to someone. Um, don't be alone. Uh, what I want to do today, though, um, and I thought this would be fun, uh, our youth ministry at Calvary 316 has been doing something similar. Uh, I was on the phone today with uh, with our youth pastor, and he was telling me uh, about what they were doing in, in youth class and that they were talking about the various misconceptions uh, of Christmas that, that last Sunday during their youth class, they uh, you know, he fielded questions, just, you know, the questions about Christmas, summarized Christmas, and he was blown away by how many things uh, we automatically assume are part of the Christmas story, but really aren't. Um, there are a lot of misconceptions about, about Christmas itself. Um, as a matter of fact, I, I've, I've come up with a, the 10 Christmas misconceptions that we're going to talk about um, during today's episode. Uh, today's episode's not going to focus um, on Santa Claus, uh, we're not going to talk about some of the, the cultural um, uh, components of the Christmas season that are very Americana. Uh, we did a whole episode of that last year um, about how um, you, you read through scripture, you won't find Santa Claus and you don't find Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Um, you actually won't even find a Christmas tree uh, or mistletoe, eggnog. Like like we have developed snowmen. Uh, we developed a lot of um, fun things around the Christmas holiday that are purely American. A lot of these things uh, date to the late 1800s, uh, early 1900s, developed by Charles Dickens, uh, advertisements, Coca-Cola, uh, this commercial um, movement around this particular holiday um, where, where we, we get people to spend stuff. Um, we're not going to talk about those things. Uh, yes, there's not Christmas trees. Like Christmas trees, there's a whole unique story behind them. Uh, dating back to Martin Luther um, and the evergreen, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We're not even going to get into like the whole paganism thing. Uh, I just want to talk about basic Christmas misconceptions, kind of from, really from from a biblical angle. Um, things that we get wrong about about what the Bible says um, concerning Christmas. The first one, uh, the first Christmas misconception is that Jesus was born on Christmas. And I know that for some of you that might be that might be shocking. Um, to hear that that we have this entire December twenty fifth, Jesus's birthday, Christmas time, um, when Jesus wasn't actually born on on December twenty fifth, um, I, I don't want to bore you with with even just kind of the the Juliana calendar, um, the, the way that the calendar's been structured. I, I don't even care to get into all of that, um, other than to say. Um, that Jesus was not born in December, in our month of December. He was not born in in in, uh, in the dead of winter, um, because you would not have had shepherds tending their flocks um, out in those conditions. Uh, Bethlehem is a suburb um, of Jerusalem. A lot of people don't know that. Bethlehem is just two miles away uh, from Jerusalem itself. Jerusalem is uh, it's in a mountain range. It's elevated. Um, it gets cold. It snows. Um, and so the idea of the shepherds uh, tending their flocks um, during the, the heart of winter um, wouldn't have happened. Uh, Jesus was not born on December 25th. Uh, we celebrate Christmas on December 25th because Pope Julius I kind of arbitrarily decided that that seemed like it would be a great day uh, to commemorate uh, the birth of Jesus Christ. Uh, I've got nine more misconceptions. Uh, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back on the Outlaw Radio Show. Hi, my name is David Guzik, and I'm a friend of Zach and the entire team at Outlaw Radio. One of the things I like most about Outlaw Radio is Zach's desire to challenge Christians to think critically, ask relevant questions, and then pursue answers on their own. The sad reality is too many Christians don't know what they believe, yet alone why they believe what they do. 
This is why, in addition to Outlaw Radio tackling the tough topics you might not hear at church on Sundays, their desire is to equip, inspire, and challenge you to dig into God's Word and wrestle with these complex topics on your own. To help you in this process, Zach wanted me to let you all know of two free resources essential for any serious Bible student. Aside from my full Bible commentary available at EnduringWord.com, the resources you can access at BlueLetterBible.org will truly transform the way you study the Bible. Aside from their treasure trove of free commentaries, BlueLetterBible.org also has an incredible word search function, making it easy to dive into the original languages behind a biblical text. So if you want to dig deeper into your study of Scripture, check out EnduringWord.com as well as BlueLetterBible.org. Welcome back to the Outlaw Radio Show. Uh, today's entire episode, whether you're listening on the radio and, and you're dealing with your, your post-Christmas hangover, uh, the weekend following, or you're listening on the podcast and it's Christmas Eve, we're talking about the misconceptions of Christmas. And and number one, the, the greatest misconception is that Jesus was born on December 25th. Uh, the biblical evidence of uh, the birth of Christ, as far as trying to pinpoint a time of the year, uh, would have placed Jesus's birth probably more likely in the springtime and, and not in, in the dead of winter. Um, on a related note, um, Jesus was not born um, on on zero zero zero. <laughs> you know, like we've we've set up uh, our calendar BC uh, AD uh, BC before Christ, before the birth of Christ, the life of Christ, um, AD Anno Domin, um, speaking of the year of our Lord, um, uh, that the birth of Jesus we have kind of our calendar constructed as the pivot point. Um, what we do know is that Jesus was born. Um, absolutely before 4 BC. Um, we know that primarily because Josephus, a first century Jewish historian, um, documents that Herod the Great um, died in 4 BC. Now, Herod the Great is a character in the biblical narrative uh, around the birth of Christ. Uh, if you recall, um, the wise men coming um, to find this newborn king, they go to Jerusalem and they consult with Herod the Great, King Herod. Um, and then, you know, Herod tells them, you know, consults with the scribes, finds out uh, it would be Bethlehem, not really Jerusalem. And he tells the, the wise men, hey, go. And then when you find this newborn king, bring back word to me so I can go worship him. And we know that Herod the Great was a sadistic madman and wanted to kill Jesus, which is why the shepherd, uh, the wise men end up being warned in a dream. Uh, not to go back to Herod. And then when Herod realizes at some point he's been crossed, uh, he commands that all um, of the baby boys there in Bethlehem, two years and under, be executed. You know, just making sure that he he gets this newborn king. Uh, and yet Joseph was warned in a dream that this was going to happen. And so he leaves, um, which means that um, if Herod the Great died in 4 B.C., um, he commands that the, the babies be, be executed under the age of two. So that places us back to 6 BC. Um, we don't know um, how all of that timeline unfolded. Joseph takes Mary, baby Jesus. They flee to Egypt. He doesn't return back to the area until word has spread that Herod the Great died. So not only is Jesus not born on, on December 25th, zero, um, but he's he's probably born somewhere around 6 BC, which which to me is very interesting, um, because the other clear date that we have, um, according to the prophecy, Daniel 70 weeks prophecy recorded in Daniel chapter 9, and again, I'm not going to get into all the, the prophecy components of this, um, but according to that particular prophecy, we know that Jesus entered Jerusalem riding on a donkey, Palm Sunday, where they hail him, Hosanna, Hosanna, the king. It starts a week, the week of passion, um, where Jesus would ultimately be executed, and then and then that next Sunday would rise from the dead. Uh, we know that Palm Sunday happened on April 6, 32 AD. Now, that, I bring all that up to say, I don't know where people get this idea that Jesus was like 30 or 33 years old during his earthly ministry. Um, more likely, he was probably in his early 40s, if you consider probably born around 6 BC and then was executed or crucified in 32 AD. 
um, again, I don't know where we get this misconception of, of Jesus's age. Um, as a matter of fact, in John, the gospel of John, um, when Jesus talks about how Abraham had seen his day and rejoiced when he saw it, um, the, the, the religious leaders there are like, how is that even possible um, that you've interacted with Abraham? Uh, because you're not even, um, and what, what do they say? They say, you're not even um, 50 years old. Uh, 50 years old. Uh, that's fascinating. Um, if he was in his early 30s, uh, oh, duh. Uh, I think Jesus was much older. So the first misconception uh, that we have of Jesus is he wasn't born on December 25th. Um, secondly, the second misconception, um, you know, Christmas is big. Um, it's a big time of the year. It's big in Christian circles. Um, and it's been that way for, for generations, for, for centuries, a lot of time, right? I mean, Christmas is, is, is maybe second to Easter, uh, a primary Christian holiday. And yet, you know, and here's the second misconception. The Bible never uh, commands that Christians recognize the birth of Jesus. Um, truth be told, two of the four gospel authors don't even mention the birth of Christ at all. Uh, we only have um, the events of Jesus' birth recorded for us um, in two places. Um, in Matthew's gospel, um, a, a section is, is committed to it. And, and then again, um, in Luke's gospel, a section is committed um, to the birth of Christ. But Mark, no mention at all of Jesus' birth, um, which is fitting because Mark is writing, presenting Jesus as a servant, and you don't really care about this, the birth of a servant. Matthew writes about a king. A king needs genealogy. The birth of a king matters. Luke's writing about Jesus being the ultimate man, the birth of the Son of God. That, that's relevant. Mark, no need. John, no mention, which is fascinating. So two of the four gospel authors uh, don't, even, don't even mention uh, the birth of Jesus. Uh, nowhere in the New Testament, uh, the book of Acts, uh, or any of the Pauline epistles or the writings, uh, do we have mention of the celebration of Jesus' birth uh, being a thing? Uh, Paul never talks about it, never mentions that it was something that needed to be recognized. Um, apart, honestly, from, from the idea of Jesus being born of a virgin, uh, there's not even a lot of theological significance about Christmas um, aside from that. Um, and so it's interesting that we have created this entire Christmas season, this religious celebration, um, off of something that's not even mandated in the Bible for us to be doing. <laughs> we have Christmas services. And, and that's never even mentioned in the Bible as something we're to be doing. So, so the misconception, one, is that Jesus was born on December 25th. The second misconception is that the Bible uh, says we're, we're to celebrate Jesus' birth. Um, there's only really, um, you know, the Old Testament, there's a bunch of feasts that were important. Feast of Tabernacles, Feast of Pentecost, Passover, etc. Feast of Dedication, Hanukkah. There were all kinds of feasts. The Jews were big into recognizing, celebrating certain things. Um, the only thing we're, we're to celebrate in, in Christianity is the resurrection of Jesus. And, and not once a year, but weekly on Sunday, uh, we gather on Resurrection Day. Um, it's the only mandated time that we're to, to celebrate, to recognize the resurrection of Jesus, not, not the birth <laughs> of Jesus. Um, number three, um, and I think this, is, this, this point um, fits with really what's happening in our culture, uh, a, a greater conversation, but... Uh, please know that Joseph and Mary were not migrants. <laughs> uh, they weren't refugees. Um, Joseph uh, had a job in Nazareth. He was a carpenter, uh, was betrothed to Mary. Um, they had plans on, on uh, starting their own family. Things kind of got, a, a wrench got thrown in. The reason they come to Bethlehem is not because they were fleeing some type of persecution um, or that they were on the run, or that global warming had made it just that made Nazareth just um, untenable to, to 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 live in. Um, they weren't going to Bethlehem in search of a better life or or some some greater existence. You know, uh, with what's happening right now with the build the wall movement and and these migrants from 
uh, Central America at the border, et cetera, is that, you know, I've, I've even seen some Christians uh, that have talked about um, how, um, how would Mary and Joseph be treated uh, in today's climate as, as refugees? And it's like, well, they weren't. Um, and that's kind of silly. As a matter of fact, I don't even know if you heard about the, the one church um, that, that, that their nativity scene that they set up outside, uh, they had um, uh, baby Jesus uh, in a cage um, trying to make this political point. Uh, please know that, that they weren't migrants. As a matter of fact, uh, the only reason that they were in Bethlehem is a Democrat uh, by the name of uh, um, Caesar Augustus wanted to tax the world. So he had a census. Everyone had to be registered in their hometown. Uh, Mary and Joseph, both descendants of, of King David, had to go to Bethlehem to be registered to pay taxes. Um, they weren't migrants. They weren't refugees. Uh, they were going to Bethlehem um, because the tax man... Uh, was demanding they make their way. Well, we are running against a hard break coming up. Before we get to that break, though, I do want to just take a second, as I do frequently, uh, to just let you know that if you're listening in the car or on the radio, and naturally you can only listen to a part, a snippet of today's show, um, there's an easy way that you can listen to the show in its entirety at any point you want, and that is by visiting our podcast. Now, if you don't know anything about a podcast, a podcast, very cool stuff. Um, instead of you going to some place to download, um, to find an audio file and then download it, if you subscribe to a podcast, whether it's through iTunes or, or let's say Google Play, what's really sweet is that as soon as we release that, that audio file, it will automatically download uh, to whatever device you use to listen to things, whether it be your computer or a tablet or a phone. The easiest way to get to our podcast, the Outlaw Radio Podcast, is to go to our website. Our website is outlawradio.org, um, and then you can subscribe to it. You follow the link, subscribe to it, and then every time we release an episode, it comes directly to you. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back talking about the misconceptions of Christmas. So many of our modern holidays have very interesting historical backgrounds. Today, Pastor Zach is taking a look at 10 misconceptions surrounding Christmas. Stay with us for part two of the Outlaw Radio Show. Thanks for coming back for part two of this very interesting edition of the Outlaw Radio Show. Pastor Zach is talking about 10 misconceptions surrounding our Christmas holiday. Now here's Pastor Zach. Welcome back to the Outlaw Radio Show. My name is Zach Adams. So glad that you're listening. We are talking about the misconceptions of Christmas. Uh, the first misconception is that uh, Jesus was born on on Christmas on, Christmas, on December 25th. Um, the Bible doesn't say that, and biblical evidence seems to suggest more of the springtime. The second misconception about Christmas is that the Bible makes Christmas like a mandated holiday. It doesn't. Uh, and no, no place in Scripture are we, are we commanded to, to recognize the birth of Jesus. We have no evidence that the first century church did it. Paul never writes about it. Two of the four gospel authors don't even spend time on Jesus' birth. I think we've kind of overplayed it a little bit in our culture. Uh, number three, um, <laughs> contrary to popular opinion, Mary and Joseph were not migrants. Um, the only reason that they had left Nazareth uh, to make their way to Bethlehem is that um, the Roman Empire, the emperor, Caesar Augustus, uh, wanted to tax the world, and to do that needed to account, uh, a census, population, and then could issue appropriate taxations. Um, so they were in Bethlehem for, for no other reason than uh, the tax man called. Misconception number four um, is that Mary and Joseph were too poor to afford a room in the inn. You know, the, the Christmas story presents Mary and Joseph coming from Nazareth. It's a difficult journey. It's a two, two and a half week journey from Nazareth across to the Sea of Galilee using what's known as the Valley of the Doves. You pop out right there at Capernaum, make, make your way south around the, the Sea of Galilee and then down the Jordan River Valley um, until you you know reach a certain point, Bethabara, and then you go back up the Judean wilderness. Uh, climbing elevation, you're going up to Jerusalem. Uh, it's, a, it's a tough 
it's a tough climb. Um, Mary and Joseph make the journey. They get to Bethlehem. Um, there's no room in the inn. The population had swelled. Um, it wasn't that they couldn't afford a room at the inn. That's not what the Bible says. It just says that there was no, no room for them in the inn, which means that they, they went to the inn seeking a room. There just wasn't one. And then in kind of a desperation, they, they have to make, uh, make things work out. And again, in our popular culture, we, uh, we, we present Mary and Joseph as just these, these utterly helpless teenagers. Um, yes, the entire scene didn't exactly play out like either of them uh, would have wanted, but it wasn't as though um, Joseph had just you know failed to adequately provide for his family. There just wasn't any room. Um, and in the end, they're in Bethlehem. Bethlehem's not a big place. And so they find themselves in a stable um, just out of necessity. Um, which leads me to misconception number five, because our, our, our 21st century Thomas Kincaid like, uh, perspective of the stable is not rooted in any type of reality. Uh, most of the time when you picture, uh, the, the stable, the scene, you've got these rolling Hills of Bethlehem and you've got this wooden structure set just perfectly on the hillside with the sky filled with stars a little fire glowing from inside. Um, that's not what a stable was. Like they didn't build these these things out of wood. Um, wood was a not a very common commodity um, in the first century. As a matter of fact, rocks. A lot more rocks. Most structures were built out of stone. Uh, when it came to stables, uh, a stable is just where a shepherd would keep their herd. A stable was used um, to take care of the sheep when they were not out grazing in the fields. Um, predominantly, stables um, were caves. Um, totally different picture than what uh, than what we tend to have of of this location of Jesus' birth. Uh, when we're told that there was no room in the inn and they went and found a stable, um, it is likely a cave, uh, which was a perfect place to keep sheep. A shepherd you know, could, could get the sheep in. There's only one way in and out, made it very easy to protect the sheep, keep them contained. Um, thus the stable, um, is dark, uh, is damp. Um, it's wet, uh, which is the same thing as being damp. Um, it's unsanitary. Um, they didn't clean out the stables. Um, it's a gross scene. Um, as a matter of fact, just everything you think you know of the stable historically is a wrong and you should just do away with it. Our idea of the stable, I mean, where Christ was born, uh, there were no doctors, there were no nurses. Um, this was, this was, we need a place, a location outside of the elements. This cave is going to have to do. Um, not as we picture it. As a matter of fact, most of your nativity scenes probably don't have um, <laughs> have a stable presented in that capacity. Um, number six, the sixth misconception is that the shepherds were were upstanding citizens. Um, our church, we're doing a little Christmas play with the kids. Um, it'll be a component of our service on Christmas Eve, and um, and you know it's funny. All these moms want their want their kids to be a shepherd. You know, we've glorified the shepherds, uh, similar, similar to the stable. We've kind of whitewashed who the shepherds really were. We like to think of, of these men as, um, as noble type characters earning a living. Yeah. Maybe blue collar, but uh, upstanding citizens, like, like in the, in the, in the context of the first century, that couldn't be further from the truth. Shepherds imagine, let me paint a scene for you. This is what a shepherd really was in the first century. Remember like the very first pirates of the Caribbean movie, Johnny Depp, Karen Knightley, Orlando Bloom. You know, there's a scene where they, they need to get a boat, recruit a crew. So they go to Tartuga to get pirates, right? A pirate city. Uh, when you think of shepherds, I want you to think of like Johnny Depp, Jack Sparrow, and Tartuga. Like when shepherds came to town 
in the first like they were outcasts of society um they were the lowest rung uh, they were often separated from temple life from synagogue life from community uh, they were um the downtrodden the down and outers the drunks they were known to be criminals think of them as like sons of anarchy like a biker gang which blows my mind because they're the first people on planet earth that God wanted to know he had sent a savior. He didn't send the angels to let the religious leaders know in Jerusalem. He didn't send an angel to let the the power brokers know in Rome, the philosophers in Athens. No, he sent the angels to a group of, 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 of sinners, the shepherds to let them know that, that a savior had been born. Again, our, our perspective of the shepherds. I want my little boy to be a shepherd. No, not in the context. I'd love to see a Christmas play accurately present the shepherds, you know, awaiting the appearing of the angel where they're like half past hammered, sitting around the fire, uh, speaking foul. I mean, they were just dirty people. So a misconception of Christmas that the shepherds were upstanding citizens. Uh, number seven, um, most of our nativity scenes are incorrect. Um, let me give you just just two easy examples of how your nativity scene um, gets it wrong. One, there was no star um, at the birth of Jesus. Um, if, if you go back and, and you read the, the account, um, the star indicated to these wise men, these magi from the east, that Christ was to be born. Um, it didn't specifically pinpoint it accurately because they end up being late, which is the other thing the nativity gets wrong. The, like at no point do the wise men and the shepherds ever cross paths. Um, when you have your nativity scene set up with shepherds and wise men, it's not accurate. And a star above didn't happen. That's not biblical. Uh, the shepherds go and they see baby Jesus in a stable. The wise men go to the home of Jesus, the young child. Totally different scene, totally different time frame. A year, year and a half later, after the fact. So they go. I, I, I always remember, so part of our family tradition growing up is that my mom had these, um, these nativity figures. And so before we could open presents, my dad would read the, the Christmas story and we would act things out uh, with the characters. And we always put the wise men... Uh, like if we were in the living room, we put them in the in, in the kitchen because they weren't there, and we kind of played through the story. Anyway, I'm running against a hard break. We'll finish out the misconceptions of Christmas. Don't go anywhere here with the Outlaw Radio Show. One of the missions of Outlaw Radio is to bring your attention to ministry resources that will benefit your personal study of the Bible and spiritual growth. With this in mind, we want you to check out Ravi Zacharias International Ministries. Not only is their vision to help the thinker believe, but they exist to help the believer think. To accomplish both of these aims, their website, rzim.org, is filled with tons of free resources aimed at not only answering your own difficult questions, but with the intention of providing the necessary tools to defend your faith in an ever-growing hostile world. Once again, you can learn more about Ravi Zacharias International Ministries by visiting rzim.org. That's rzim.org. Welcome to our final block of the Outlaw Radio Show. We're talking about Christmas misconceptions. Ten of them. Let me run through them really quick. Quick recap. Uh, number one, it's a misconception that Jesus was born on December 25th. Most of the biblical evidence uh, presents Jesus being born probably in the spring. December 25th is just a purely arbitrary date uh, that Pope Julius I picked. Um, has roots in the winter solstice. Uh, Christianizing a pagan holiday, etc. Two, uh, the Bible never mandates we actually celebrate Christmas or the birth of Jesus. Uh, two of the gospel writers, half of them, don't even care to provide an account of Jesus's birth. Paul never writes about it. Uh, never man. Only only time we're ever commanded to celebrate something is the resurrection, and we're to do that on Sunday. Uh, three, Mary and Joseph weren't migrants. They weren't immigrants. They weren't uh, f- refugees. Uh, they went to Bethlehem because the tax man demanded they 
go to Bethlehem, uh, which leads to the fourth misconception that they were too poor to afford a room. That's not true. The Bible doesn't say that. Just says things were at capacity. They end up in a stable out of necessity, um, which leads to the fifth point, and that's the stable. Um, wasn't this Thomas Kincaid-like wooden structure on a picturesque Bethlehem hillside? The dank, dark cave, totally unsanitary. Sixth, um, the sixth misconception is that the shepherds were upstanding citizens. Think of them as land pirates. Uh, these men were the outcasts of society, which is so much of God's grace that they were the first to be invited to encounter the Savior. Uh, but again, it's a misconception. Just the way that we picture the shepherds isn't rooted in, 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 a, in a reality. Uh, uh, number seven, and this is where we got to uh, in our previous block, is, is uh, the, na- the nativity scenes get a few things wrong. One, uh, there's no star. Um, when you picture the nativity and you've got Mary and Joseph, baby Jesus, uh, some livestock, um, we don't actually, the Bible doesn't actually say there was livestock. Uh, the sheep were in the fields. It's, it's unlikely. Um, Joseph was, was fighting back the, the, the cow and the, the other lambs, the other, um, um, animals, um, in the stable itself. Um, no star, um, no wise men, the wise men and the shepherds never crossed paths. Uh, shepherds went to a stable to find a baby. Uh, the wise men went to a home to find a young child. Um, the eighth thing that, that we get wrong, the, the other misconception, is that there were three wise men. Um, at, at no point in the Bible are we told that there were three. Now, the reason that's a common misconception is that the wise men present to Jesus um, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And because they present these three gifts, it's just been assumed that there were then, therefore, three wise men. Uh, it's unlikely that that three magi traveling probably a thousand miles from the east, which would have been probably the the, the remnants of Babylon, um, would have would have embarked in such a journey only just there being three amigos. There was probably an entourage. Um, that made their way. Um, they were clearly noticeable upon entering Jerusalem because they immediately have an exchange. They gain an audience with King Herod. Um, more than likely, more than three, though they pr- only presented uh, three gifts. Again, I mean, do you find this kind of interesting that so many things that we just assume about the Christmas story are not completely based in reality? Uh, there are a lot of misconceptions. Uh, we've got two more. Um. And that there were angels at the stable. This is actually kind of a new one when I was kind of prepping for today's uh, today's episode. Again, the nativity scene. Um, we're told that the angels, the heavenly host, were no doubt involved in the birth of Jesus. I mean, good grief. Um, going back to John's father, the priest. Zacharias uh, in the temple and the angel appearing, um, predicting the, the, the miraculous birth of John, and then the angel appearing to Mary, and then the angel appearing to Joseph, and then we'll find an angel um, uh, warning the wise men. An angel again appears uh, to Joseph to say, hey, Herod has ill intent. I mean, there's uh, a lot of angelic involvement, most notably the, the heavenly hosts that appear to these shepherds in the field uh, with this incredible pronouncement, but uh, when they, they you know they tell the shepherds to go to find the babe, and they go and they worship Jesus, uh, we're not told that the angels went with them. Um, I think, and, and I have a theory that the shepherds knew um, first it would be unique to find a babe in a stable. Um, I think that they knew where the babe was because Jesus was using their stable. Mary and Joseph were using the, the shepherd's stable. I think it all tied together. But the but the nativity scene itself, having angels there um, present, the, the Bible never doesn't say that. That's a misconception um, of Christmas. And finally, um, it's a misconception that Xmas is blasphemous. Now, what do I mean by that? Um, trust me, I am, um, oh man, I get irritated 
I'll give you an example. We got a letter, you know, card, a Christmas card from our our school, right? Quincy's first grade, the teachers, the principal, they got a group photo. And I guess they probably mailed this Christmas card to all the, the, the parents of the students in the school. This is a public school, not a private school. Um, I opened it and I was immediately irritated because it said, happy holidays. Okay, I get it. I get the PC world we're in. I get that, etc. Uh, but that still just, it irritates me. Uh, when I see commercials, happy holidays. It's like, dadgummit, man, it's Christmas. It's Christmas. Just say Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. No, it's Christmas. Um, it's not just ho- a holiday. It's Christmas vacation. It's not holiday vacation. I mean, if you have a problem with that, find your own holiday. I don't care. It drives me nuts. Merry Christmas and a happy new year. If that offends you, man, just get a life. Seriously, get a life. It's Christmas. The Christmas move, the Christmas story. It's Christmas. Anyway, a lot of people get really upset when they see Xmas. And the reason people get upset is we make a conclusion that Xmas is a blasphemous way of removing Christ from Christmas. Removing Christ, X, and then Mass. And, and the word Christmas, it's Christ Mass. Uh, it, it goes back to the Roman Catholic Church, the early days of the celebration, and a special church gathering, a service done on, on Christmas. Christ Mass. Christmas. Christ being removed, replaced with an X, Xmas, that it's, it's meant to just remove the Christian elements from the holiday. From the, holiday. the problem with that and if that's the reason you do it, please don't do that. Um, that's insulting. I'm deeply offended. Um, and since we live in a, on a an offending type culture, uh, stop because you're offending me. <laughs> Xmas, though, what's interesting is that um, you know who started doing that? Uh, Christians. And you know why they they started doing Xmas? Uh, because it was an abbreviation of Christ Mass. No, seriously, like, like there's some evidence that the that the that this goes back to the first century, even at least during the 16th century, and then when you get to the printing press, um, X. So if you look at Christ in Greek, the Greek language, the original Christ or Christos, written in Greek, Christ begins with an X. What looks like an X in the Greek language? And the origins of using Xmas was to abbreviate the Christ. Um, it was difficult to print things, to print things officially, uh, efficiently and on scale. And so the origins of Xmas was actually just to save ink by abbreviating uh, Christ and mass. And so don't get all bent out of shape. Uh, misconception one, Jesus was born on, on December 25th. Not true. Bible never mandates we celebrate Jesus' birth. Another misconception. Joseph and Mary, not migrants. Nor, number four, were they too poor to afford a room. Uh, the stable, man, we have all kinds of problems with that. Uh, the shepherds were not outstanding citizens. They were land pirates. There was no star, no wise men uh, at the original nativity, nor were there angels. Uh, the three wise men idea, also a misconception. And then finally, um, Xmas isn't blasphemous. Um, Christ begins with X in the Greek, um, and it was Christians uh, that actually originally invented the term uh, to save in printing ink, which I can understand. I do want to wish you a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year. You've been listening to the Outlaw Radio Show. If you like what you heard, I want to I want to encourage you to do two things. First, contact your local Christian radio station. Tell them you're thankful they're carrying this program in your community. Secondly, visit our website, outlawradio.org. From the site, you can access our podcast. It's available on iTunes and Google Play. You can listen again to this episode in its entirety or all previous episodes. Again, outlawradio.org. Again, I'm Zach Adams, and I hope you join me again this time next week for the Outlaw Radio Show. You've been listening to the one and only Outlaw Radio Show with Zach Adams. As mentioned, if you like what you heard, be sure to connect with us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter or check out our website by visiting outlawradio.org. 
To listen again to today's show, access our daily two-minute broadcast or full-length episodes, check out the Outlaw Radio podcast, available on both iTunes and Google Play. Once again, don't forget, we want to hear from you. If you have questions, want to challenge something that was said, or would like to submit topics you'd like to hear Zach discuss on air, you can either email us at info at outlawradio.org or you can leave a voicemail at 678-883-3316. Finally, programs like Outlaw Radio are wonderful tools God can use to change lives. But as with any ministry, there are expenses involved. First, if you're not tithing to your local church, you need to do so. And yet, if God has laid it upon your heart to extend your generosity above and beyond your tithe, we'd ask that you prayerfully consider supporting Outlaw Radio. Every donation ensures this show remains on your local station. To learn how you can become a financial partner, please visit outlawradio.org. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We hope you join us again next week for the Outlaw Radio Show with Zach Adams. Outlaw Radio is a ministry of Calvary 316 in partnership with his productions.